I'm Agent Phil Coulson with the Strategic Homeland Intervention Enforcement and Logistics Division. That's quite a mouthful. I know. We're working on it. The Battle of New York was the end of the world. This is the new world. I am a soldier's angel through the eyes of a soldier through the... What were you after? The truth. World peace. I'm a soldier's angel. You've got a hundred men at your disposal. And now... A hand-picked team. In a war of words between... Just call us shield. And yes, they're that good. No one walks away from this battle. Hello, howlers, and welcome to another episode of Agents of Shield Cast. I am Colonel Chaos, aka Chip Sella, and join me tonight, the one, the only, the amazing, the astonishing Agent Andy Ant Man Urquhart. How you doing, Agent? Yeah, it's not too bad, not too bad. A bit sad. 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 <laughs> sad. Do you know sad is actually uh, considered to be a, a, a disorder over here? It's called seasonal affective disorder. Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah. It, it's mostly that. it's mostly related to the poor weather mm. and the the uh, many long hours of darkness that we have over here. Okay. During the the winter times. Yes, I've uh Christmas it can be sad. <laughs> no Christmas is happy. There's all the lights and Santa and all that good stuff. So but I'm not sad. I'm just sick right now, Andy. <laughs> oh, okay. I got a tummy ache. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, so, Andy, what have you been up to this week? Um, nothing that exciting, to be honest. Uh, mostly, mostly work. The usual. Yeah. The usual. <laughs> I got um got a couple Marvel related stories. Okay. Um first of all, I saw Legion, saw the mm-hmm. p- pilot of that. It was 90 minutes, which is a little long and drags mm-hmm. a little bit. But uh the final the final half hour is pretty good. And setting up an interesting series. Um, how does it does it relate in any way to like X Men type stuff, or is it, does it just seem totally standalone? Still working that out. I'm gonna. Th- I think he might hook up with the Morlocks. Okay. Because he uh, uh, he's basically the the first hour is just a real mind fuck of a show. Mm. Um and. It's it's just weird, and it was it was kind of like uh, I'm not sure about this. Maybe Andy was right, but we don't know. Always, <laughs> Andy's always wrong. Um, mm-hmm, yep. But it, I mean, it was it, it was weird, and it was, but at the same time, it was like maybe this is just too cerebral for me, or something like that, um, because I was really screwed up. But. Um, the last half hour it turns into something that's a little more follow uh that you can follow a lot easier and seem to uh the action picked up 
and you kind of put the weird shit to the side. Hmm. Okay. So. I, I don't know. I mean, it still doesn't sound interesting to me at all. Like the the trails I've seen for the show on that just it does not appeal to me whatsoever. Which is a shame because it's like a comic book type show, and I've most of the ones that I've watched I've enjoyed. So I probably will try it at some point, but there's too many other shows on. Try to catch back up with the Flash just now. Uh, that's what I was sleeping through uh, just before we. Uh... <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was my wife and I uh, have been we're watching. Uh, trying to catch up on all the shows ourselves today and we're watching flash and I, I, I just was passing out in the, the last hour or so. So I, I gotta go back and watch it. Um, speaking of sleeping things, I went and saw, I, I slept through most of the Lego Batman movie this weekend. Oh, uh, so not, not up to much then or just the usual chip, just more the usual chip than anything. <laughs> okay. Um, it, what I saw, I, and I, I, I saw most of it. I, I, I dozed off in the middle. It's a little sappy. Hmm. It's lonely, Batman. Batman needs a friend, <laughs> you know. And the, uh, so a lot of it was uh, kind of hokey and and stupid. Um, but and for the most part, I liked the CG and animation. Every once in a while, there'd be something that just looked off, or that looks cheap, or something to that effect. I I think it's because they try and animate it to move like Legos, like with the same way they did with the Lego movie. Rather than having it all smooth, the characters do have that slight kind of jerk to them. Yeah, but it was more something in the backgrounds or something to that effect. Okay. It was it wasn't the the characters animating themselves as much mm-hmm. as it was like uh, the scenery or something to that effect. Mm-hmm. Something just uh, went from uh, high tech state-of-the-art effects to uh, low-grade okay. every once in a while. I'll, I'll look out for that. I'm going to go and see it uh, next weekend. I uh, mean, the wee one, I'm going to go and see it. Mm-hmm. I uh, my wife says she, does not, she does not have any interest in going to see a Lego Batman movie. <laughs> well, I had s- slight interest. My wife is the one who was uh wanting to see it you know we had yeah. uh the 50 shades of gray uh sequel this weekend or lego batman oh. <laughs> yes <laughs> my wife picked lego batman okay oh thank god <laughs> <laughs> she had zero interest in 50 shades of whatever yeah um 50 shades of light gray yeah dark gray i don't know 50 shades of of beige <laughs> Fifty Shades at a Chartreuse. There we go. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah. So we a saw that drink. By the way, Chartreuse. Chartreuse. I, th- I didn't know mm-hmm. it was a drink. I thought it was just yeah. like a purple or something. Yeah, it was a drink. It's uh, it's very horrible. Never try it. <laughs> but um, with Lego Batman, there's a trailer for the the Spider Douche movie. Oh, okay. Same trailer or a new one? Uh, I hadn't seen this one before. Okay. But I don't go looking for spider douche uh, trailers that much, so... Okay. I'll keep an eye out for it. So, it was, um... It was good. Hmm. kind of ends with a scene where Spidey's swinging through the city and Iron Man's flying next to him. Yeah, I think that's the trailer that's... Uh, that- 
they put out a couple of months ago. Okay. Makes sense to attach it to this, so get the get the kids in. Mm-hmm. And so, but yeah, so okay. I mean, we'll see how it is. I didn't realize uh, Tom Holland was uh, British. Yeah, do you know my wife said this to me earlier as well, and I was like, yeah, of course he's British. Like, yeah, <laughs> Spider Man is uh, the last Spider Man was British as well. Oh, okay. Like Andrew Garfield. Well, I mean, in Avengers, he hid his accent well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously they give him an American accent, but and I mean they're paying him enough money, you can learn to do an American accent, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So. And did I do anything? Was there anything else? I guess the, I, the, the one thing that one thing right. I will say about about that is like with the the trailer being attached to the Lego Batman movie, like like I said, I hope hopefully we'll uh, get kids involved in it, but um. Like what? What I'm thinking about doing is because, like, obviously, we one came to see uh, Doctor Strange with us, and and really liked it. And uh, I assume that she'll want to come and see Spider Man as well. Um, so I need to go back through the MCU and pick out the movies for her to watch. But like some of them, I don't know that she would necessarily take to things like Incredible Hulk. Do you know what I mean? Like, I I don't think there's going to be anything in that movie for her. But like Iron Man. She, She'd probably like the Iron Man movies. She's seen Avengers. She hasn't seen the second Avengers or Civil War yet. Like mm-hmm. Age of Ultron is a bit more adult. I don't. I don't know if she's quite ready for that yet. She's only only six, nearly seven. Um, I don't think Ultron would be that bad. I don't know a big evil villainous robot. It's kind of. I don't know, we could try it. I, but I mean, I think she needs to see Civil War before we go and see Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah, def- definitely. Um, I, I'm trying, I mean, yeah, I, I don't, I guess, I mean, if, if, if she saw the first Avengers and, uh, you know, the space aliens, I think she could make it through Ultron and Civil War. Yeah, I mean, she was definitely okay with the space aliens. The only part that she didn't like of that movie was the bit with Hulk and the the, the helicarrier kind of near the beginning. Mm. Like, the first time you see him and he's, like, big monster. Because, yeah. <laughs> like, she's obviously seen a lot of the cartoons and Hulk isn't really like that in the cartoons. He's more, like, in the team with the Avengers and helping them. And to see him attacking the Avengers, I think, was, was a bit jarring for her. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, but, but this this time uh, in Age of Ultron, Hulk is cool most of the time. Mm. So I I, I, true, I think true. it'd be good. So yeah. and we did try it on Agents of Shield, by the way. Yeah. Um, like uh, I think we tried to get us to watch the first episode. <laughs> uh, like we we brought it into like the premise of like oh these are uh, Iron Man's friends, like that sort of thing. Um, but I mean, this is obviously like four, what, four years ago now? Yeah. There thereabouts. So she'd have been like three then, ish, two, three, <laughs> and uh, she was just bored within like ten minutes because it was no like superheroes. True. And she left the show. I, as I'm, I'm sure that's what happened to the ratings. Unfortunately. Yeah. So, all right. Um, should should we get into some news? Yeah, yeah, definitely. We've got some news. All right, where do you want to start? 
So, um, Marvel has announced the start of production for Avengers Infinity War. Yeah. And they also put out a video, which I assume is where you found out that Tom Holland is British. Uh, actually, they had a little bit uh, in, in the uh, trailer where he ta- where Tom Holland talked about Spider Man. Okay. Yeah. But but yeah, basically they had a sort of sneak peek that was introduced by uh, Robert Downey Jr., Chris Pratt, and Tom Holland all standing together on the set of uh, Infinity War. Which was cool. Mm-hmm. It, it didn't really show very much of the the film or anything like that. It was all like behind the scenes things. But it's cool to know that like these three characters are all going to be like teaming up, um, especially the Guardians and uh, Avengers team up. Is that that sounds really exciting to me? Yes, I can't wait. Some of those interactions are going to be so good, so funny. Like Rocket with Tony Stark. Like, I cannot wait to see that. Yeah, I guess there's con- and there there there's a few uh articles out there right now. Uh there's concept art showing Rocket with Thor. Mhm, yep. So. But yeah, it started filming this week. Uh I was look I was trying to look at that set and trying to figure out what it was. I wasn't sure. It looks like some decrepit world or something or the Devastated battlefield. Kind of looked to me like, uh, if you remember, the the planet that Thanos' throne is on. Kind of looked like that. Okay. May, it may not yeah. be. That's what it reminded me of. Though. Yeah. And, and obviously, if you remember that uh, sort of uh, flash forward sort of thing that Tony saw in Age of Ultron, when the Scarlet Witch like manipulated his sort of mind, um, it kind of reminded me a little bit of that as well. Remember when he saw the Fallen Avengers? Yes. Well, it kind of reminded me of that as well. But we'll see, this is, this is still a good way, good ways off. Yes. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm trying to balance what I read, because, like, I mean, literally, they just started f- filming Friday. I don't want, the, you know, obviously, I don't want this movie spoiled. And so it took, you know, I kept seeing the, oh, the day one uh, announce, uh, filming announcement and all that stuff. And at first I was like, yeah, I'm not sure I want to watch this, but I finally watched it, I think, this morning. I was like, okay. Um, But I I, I just, I just don't want that. I just don't want that movie spoiled. So it's going to yeah, be I mean, tough. I, I definitely don't want it spoiled, but I mean, we, we've always walked this kind of fine line between like finding out all the stuff that is of interest to us and like the the listeners without um, without spoiling it for ourselves or for any people listening. Yeah, and I think we've done a pretty good job yeah. over the last four years. So four more years, four more years. <laughs> <laughs> Still have no word, no word on a renewal. Squeaky bum time. Huh? I said we still have no word on a renewal. It's it's squeaky oh. bum time. I don't, I don't oh. know if you have that at <laughs> reference over there. No, not really. But all right, I, I yes, there is no no word on the renewal yet. Um. 
So, yes, Avengers is filming, and we will continue to provide spoiler-free updates when we get them. Yes. Um, Okay, so other news. Uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp is beginning shooting in July. Mm Mm-hmm. And Michael Douglas has confirmed that he will reprise his role as Hank Pym in the movie. Obviously, we kind of assumed this, but it was wasn't confirmed. So we know that he's definitely going to be in it. Um, Paul Rudd is obviously uh, already been confirmed to be in it, as well as Evangeline Lilly, who is playing Hope Van Dyne and who will become the Wasp in this movie. We assume, mm-hmm. unless they do something really weird. <laughs> Oh, they are calling it Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah, but they could kill her off and bring in some other other person as the Wasp. You'd never know. Like, yeah, remember what they did with Mandarin? Remember yeah. what they did with Mandarin? But th- th- this is different. This is different. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, they've already, they did already set it up in the last movie. They showed off uh, the Wasp suit at the end of the movie and essentially gave it to uh, Hope at the end of the Ant-Man. So it's fairly likely that it would, would be her. And if I think if they're going to kill anybody off, it's going to be Hank Pym. He's got to die. He must die. <laughs> <laughs> he must die. It's a terrible characterization of that character. It's a, a bastardization, actually, of that character. Do not like it one bit. I, I disagree least, with you. Alex Balang, though. Well, I, I disagree with you because I, I like Michael Douglas. Um... And I like the way he plays Hank Pym, but and I so I disagree with you there. But at the same time, I think you and I want the same thing, which is a uh, younger Hank Pym. If mm-hmm. they had gotten somebody uh, in their late forties, because uh, I'm going to assume Iron Man's got to be in his mid forties at this point. Yeah, probably mid to late forties. Yeah. So I would, uh, if it was somebody that was a contemporary of Tony Stark instead of uh, a generation or two older, as mm. they, you know, making Hank Pym in his 60s or 70s, uh, I think it would have, I, I think we both would have been happier. Yep, 100%. So, but, you know, they did what they did, so... Uh, I, I so if they're going to kill anybody off, I could see them killing off Hank Pym, so they wouldn't have to bring him back for any additional movies in the future. Yeah, because I mean, Michael Douglas is not cheap. I mean, no. even even having him in for like the uh, re- relatively supporting role that he was in Ant Man, like if they have him in a similar role, he's still not going to be cheap. He's a big name actor that he's he's demands like a big paycheck, so. Uh, yeah, they're best off just to kill him off and let uh, let the focus be on Scott Lang, which is mm. fine. Uh, I'm disappointed, obviously, that they haven't really done justice to Hank Pym's character or comic book history, but so be it. You could have him in the Secret Wars, or not the Secret Wars, uh, Infinity War, as you know, part of the support group working uh the tech and things like that in infinity war obviously he's too old to suit up but yep. you know you could have him as part of the the tech team or the you he know could, yeah. you know the support group so but all right uh 
couple other things I saw. Let me see. Where'd it go? Well, here, first one I have is the the villains for the upcoming Runaways show. Yes. So uh, this, this, you know, I looked at the list, and once again, the the Runaways is such a obscure title, and to to an extent, none of the character, none of the the heroes or the protagonist actually had their code names in the article I read last week to us that are, I mean, see, they don't really have code names. That's the thing. Okay. With, with them, like, uh, I mean, in the comic book series, the, when it was written, they were all like basically new characters that were created okay. for just that, that series and the series kind of ran its course. And then they dispersed off. I, I believe most of them did, Disperse kind of into the Marvel universe, but you don't see very much of them ever. Um, but yeah, so it makes sense that we don't really know them that well. It is actually a good series. Like uh, I remember reading it. Like oh, it's a good few years ago now. But like the actual series is pretty good, but it is very kind of self-contained and doesn't like really stride into much of the rest of the universe. Okay. But yeah, they did confirm uh, the the many many villains that are in the show and that are portrayed by many different people. Um, I mean, there's like what, like 12 villains here? But this is obviously because there's there's like seven, eight characters in the show and all their parents are villains, so yeah. that's why there's so many. So I'm just going to read the list uh, say yeah. of the names, what show they're from and their character name. I'm not going to go through each one because there are 12 of them. I'm not going to... But, uh, okay, so Kip Purdue. Uh, who was in Ray Donovan, is playing Frank Dean. Ryan Sands, who was in The Wire, is playing Jeffrey Wilder. Angel Parker from The Strange is, or from The Strain, is playing Catherine Wilder. Brittany Ishibashi from Teenage Ninja Mutant Turtles Out of the the (laughs) Shadows is playing Tina Minoru. So, So that one... That one, yeah, is she the one that was at, like supposed to be in Doctor Strange? Well, I'm, re- I, you know, there's no link to that here. It says, mm. but she's Tina Minoru, a perfectionist tiger mom. In her professional life, she is a brilliant innovator and ruthless CEO. Emotionally, she is less confident, often often shying away from difficult conversations with her daughter Nico, and careful to have. Av- avoid explicit displays of her feelings. So it mm. does it's not connecting to the Doctor Strange uh character. And we'd have to I mean I guess we could look in uh uh the the cast of Doctor Strange to see if it's the same person. You think they would have mentioned that. Um James Igashi is who was in Madam Secretary will play uh Robert Minoru. Mm-hmm. Kevin Weissman, who was in Alias, among other things, is Dale Yorkies. And his wife will be played by Bridget Branagh from True Colors, Stacey Yorkies. Annie Wershberg from 24 is Leslie Dean. 
James Marsters from Angel, aka Spike, is victorious. Is Victor Stein? And you just know he's going to be the main bad guy, don't you? You would, you would hope. Yeah, he's a good, he's a good uh, actor to cast. It's like you're kind of main villain. Like he's a really good actor. The the thing is, he is he was he's born and raised Southern California, so his, his uh, British accent is fake. Hmm. I don't know if you could tell. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can actually. It's actually a really good like English accent. Uh, sometimes like American actors really struggle with it, but he for some reason is very good at it. Oh, I heard him the first time I ta- heard him talk in an interview. Uh, you know, back in the Angel and Buffy days, and mm. I I heard his actual voice. It was like whoa, because <laughs> <laughs> he's t- totally got that California style accent, and it's like hold it, that Spike doesn't sound like Spike. And last but not least, uh, Ever Carradine, who was in Goliath, as, along with other things, because I don't even know what Goliath is, but I do recognize her, is going to play Janet Stein. So, Okay. Um, okay, so I've, I've dug into this uh, Doctor Strange connection. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Tina Minoru, who is the mother of Nico Minoru, who uh, Nico, Nico Minoru is in The Runaways, you mm-hmm. know that. Um, Tina Minoru was in the Doctor Strange prequel comic, and it's believed that it was the same character that was uh, that was in the movie that was not named. If you remember the the lady that was with uh, what's his name, Calcius, yeah, the, the bad guy from Doctor yeah. Strange. Anyway, I, I think that was his name. Um, but in the movie, she was played by I believe it was Linda Louise Duan. Who's obviously a different actress. Okay. But she does look a little bit similar to the actress that is playing uh, Tina Minoru in The Runaways. So it could be essentially just like, you could call it a recasting, or it could just be that it's not really all connected after all. I'm going to guess not connected. Or <laughs> it, it, they didn't care. But that that just seems odd. Yeah, yeah, it's a weird one. But but I mean, they have done recastings before, like they recast the Hulk, Bruce Banner. Yeah, which is one of the biggest names in the universe. So they they can recast a small character like this. It's not not an issue. If they come out and say it's the same character and it just happens to be played by a different actress, cool. I'm, I'm totally fine with that. So. Um, I I like uh, where we had a bunch of no names for the for the runaways themselves. I love uh, this is a fairly decent roster of parents or bad guys, whatever mm. you want to call them. Yep. So, uh, this is good for the show. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so uh, two two more little articles here. Uh, first of all, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio has come out and said that he is not going to be in the Punisher series. I think we already didn't we hit that a while. No, 
This no, he came out and said that he came out and said that he wasn't going to be in the movies like ever, basically. But he did come out this week and say that he's not going to be in uh, the Punisher series that's uh, filming at the moment. Okay. So they're not going to continue their their feud at the moment into the the Punisher series. Could come up later on, or he could just be thrown out like a red herring, because you would, uh, based on their like interaction in uh, Daredevil season two, you would expect there to be. Like some kind of confrontation going down if the kingpin was to get out of prison, for example. Okay, but I think that from what he said about it, it sounds like kingpin's going to be still remaining in prison through the entire Punisher uh, like run. You don't know how how long a period that this uh, season takes place over. It may only take place over a few days, or it might take place over six months. But obviously, uh, kingpin is locked up for quite a while you would assume and unless somebody breaks him out then he's not getting out anytime soon I think you're, I think they're saving him for Daredevil season 3 yeah we, we spoke about that um, I think in the wrap up for Daredevil season 2 where it, it kind of looks like they're going down the uh, I think it was the, was it the Born Again storyline yes that's where we're yeah, going, we're, I think we're, yeah. he's going yeah, where Kingpin basically tries to ruin Daredevil and Matt Murdock's, specifically Matt Murdock's kind of life. So hopefully that's where it goes, and maybe Punisher will show up in that to help Daredevil with Kingpin. Don't know. We'll see. I mean, that'll come after uh, Defenders, so... Mm, yep. Hopefully after Defenders, there's a little more uh, crossover going on. Yeah. Well, the Defenders is a massive crossover. <laughs> well, yes. Well, I mean, a, I mean, the crossovers in the shows yeah. after at, post Defenders that we see a little bit more uh, crossover uh, in the in the in the individual shows. Yeah, totally. I mean, now once the Defenders is established and they've created all those kind of links and stuff like that, um, from a story perspective. It wouldn't be like unfeasible for uh, Matt to phone like uh, Luke Cage and say, "Oh, look, can you please come and help me with this?" Like that sort of thing. Uh, so having like all these kind of like links and connections, like because that couldn't happen at the moment because they don't have that rapport established. But I would assume that that will come in Defenders. Uh, I'm not saying that it necessarily necessarily will happen in say Daredevil season three, for example, because you can't just like phone and look cage every time he needs a door broken down you know <laughs> he needs to be able to still do all this stuff himself but um they can do all that stuff with the world building and things like that and i don't think there's any point in connecting it all together unless you're going to do little things like that cool teasers and easter eggs and crossover events and stuff um, so, speaking of the, the Netflix stuff, mm-hmm. uh, we did get a new trailer drop for Iron Fist this week. Yes. I did watch it. Okay. What did you think? I'm intrigued. Yeah. Uh, I'm intrigued. I'm also worried, because I don't like the look of it. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what it is about it. I'm just like, I don't know. Like, it just doesn't... It doesn't tick any of my boxes for... Anything that I wanted to see, like, with this series. Apart from the tattoo on his chest, which looks badass. Like, he doesn't look look like Iron Fist. Hashtag not my Iron Fist. Um, <laughs> like, his, his fist is, it seems weird. It, I don't particularly like the actor that's playing him. 
the trailer was kind of jumbled and just throwing things in there, like the little snippets of the characters we've seen before, like Claire. Like I, I don't quite get why Claire would be there, like just out of the blue. Um, they also showed that uh, Hogarth's in it. Kind of mm. is going to make sense. I think she's a because yeah, she's a lawyer, so she's going to be involved with him being a billionaire and whatnot. That's fine. Um, um, I, I just I don't know quite how they're going to tie all this in together in like a cohesive manner. I mean, I hope they prove me wrong, but I just I, I don't like the look of the show overall, which is something that I've never said about these Netflix shows because like the Jessica Jones trailer. It looked pretty good. Not a character that I was particularly excited about seeing on the screen, but it, like the trailer worked. The trailers worked for it, and the show was great. Look, Cage. I mean, we're still going through it, but like I really liked the look of the trailer, and the show's been pretty decent. And Daredevil is fucking amazing. But like Iron Fist, I've actually read quite like a number of Iron Fist comics, and mm. in in the comic books, he's actually a really interesting character, and I'm just not seeing like what I saw in the comic books so far at all. And also no spandex. What the fuck? Give me my spandex. <laughs> Give they me might... green pajamas, god damn it. Well, they might be saving the green pajamas for uh you know, like they did with Daredevil. He didn't get his red pajamas until the last episode. It was it was running around in his black pajamas before that. I know, and and like I mean, the same with the with Luke Cage. Like, they they didn't really give him a uniform per se because it doesn't quite make sense for like Luke Cage to be in that uniform. But they did give him, they did give that one kind of like big nod to it. And uh, I think it was like episode four or five that was that was really good and like uh, good for the the comic book fans. Yeah, yeah, um. I'm look. I, I'm actually looking forward to it. I, I don't know. There's something about it that uh, has me intrigued. More, you know. I, maybe, maybe because it is the brightest of the three in mm. terms of tone. You know, uh, Daredevil is dark. It's always been it's- a dark show. Uh, the settings are, for the most part, dark. Um, it's you know, it, it it's always a show that stays in the shadows. Yep. Uh, which, Jessica, which is entirely fitting with yep. with Daredevil's character. Yeah. Uh, Jessica Jones was very noir. Mm-hmm. Luke Cage is. It's dark. I I, I don't want to say ghetto, but it's you I'd know kind of street street. Yeah, yeah. black exploitation to an extent, but we knew that going in. Hmm. Going for that, you know, that 70s black exploitation vibe to an extent. So, uh this is the first one where it looks like we're dealing with a somebody who is a million slash billionaire. Probably a little it, it looks like he's they're going to play him as kind of fucked in the head. Mhm. And uh, more, more of a more set in Madison Avenue, New York, Manhattan, than mm. uh, Hell's Kitchen or uh, Harlem. So maybe maybe the the stark contrast of where the character is versus the characters in the other in the other uh, shows 
maybe that's something that has me saying this one looks a little bit brighter, but we'll see. I mean, it, it'll it be interesting to see what they do with Iron Fist and how close they come to the character you and I remember. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've, yep. pulled, they've pulled off the other three very well. And the Punisher. Yep. So. So, oh, yeah, yeah, totally, totally agree. So I want to do things slightly different this week, Andy, because a lot of times we go to tweets and a lot it turns into news section number two. <laughs> okay. So I wanted to hit a couple of uh, the highlights here. I'll save the ratings thing for when we get around to it. Um, so first of all, I believe it was Tim Hernandez. Yes. He says the thing where Kevin Feige talks that – uh, Thor is going to take place uh, beyond the Nine Realms. Yeah, I'm not quite sure what he means by that. Like, well, I think well a lot. Uh, here's the big thing that comes out of this uh, paragraph from Kevin Feige. Uh, there are only three scenes in Thor Ragnarok that take place on Earth. The rest is on mm-hmm. Asgard and other planets. Hmm. And I, and I mean, the, the, the scenes we're going to assume, one, them meeting Odin. Uh, like, we know that yeah. Odin's down there. Uh, two, them meeting the other character from the MCU that we know is in it. And three, were some kind of combination of those two. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we have, we have an, a, we think they go to Scar. Mm-hmm. So uh, is that beyond the Nine Realms? Maybe. Mm. I would assume that maybe if... Well, one one of the Nine Realms is Hell or Valhalla. Yep. So, uh, but basically what it, what it is is Kevin Feige saying Thor's going cosmic. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I, kind of not news. I suppose, like, I mean, if he goes anywhere near, like, Guardians territory, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. It'd be cool if there's a Guardians cameo somewhere in there. Of Howard the Duck. Howard the Duck, that's what you want. Oh, of course <laughs> I want Howard. But, uh... Yeah, Imagine if... he turns up in the gladiatorial arena. Like, what if Drax did? Thor or Hulk. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a possibility. I mean, if you're pulling in, um... And I think... I think he's supposed to be in it. The Grandmaster. I think there were rumors the Grandmaster is going to be in Ragnarok. You could certainly have a Guardians cameo of one type or another. He, he is. He is in Thor Ragnarok. Uh, it's uh, what's his name? That's playing him. Uh, Jeff Goldblum. Yep. So is it Guardians he's in? Or I'd have to double check. But anyway, one of those Jeff Goldblum is playing yep. Grandmaster. Yep. So. You certainly could uh, pull off some type of uh, quick, sort of like the Falcon scene in Ant-Man. You know, something like that. Mm -hmm. It is Thor. It is Thor, son. Yes. um, Another quick one. I don't think this was by uh, any of our tweets, but Doctor Strange beat Superman last weekend and has now surpassed the man of steel for uh on the on the superhero list. Nice. Uh, well, it's a far far superior movie to Man of Steel, I'll tell you that. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I don't know if you ever saw Man of Steel, but uh, yeah, that was just a uh 
I don't know, a, a murder fest, that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I do have to watch that at some point. Um, we'll keep that one. We'll keep that one. Uh, Stephen Elmy watched uh, the first episode of Legion and loved it. Okay. So different, but so right. The era is a nice choice, too. I didn't. Th- I thought it was modern day, but maybe it takes place in the eighties. I'd have to go back. Like I said, there, my my mind was getting kind of twisted with that one. <laughs> um, Tim Hernandez, and this is one I I was going to mention. I've totally forgot. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two went to uh, was seen by test audiences over the weekend, mm-hmm. and it scored a perfect one hundred. I, I take it so this is like where they show it to like uh, invited people sort of thing uh, from a sort of pantheon of age groups and whatnot. and so the hundred is that like out of a hundred people or uh, a score is a hundred uh, hang on I got a <laughs> I don't know what it means though like a hundred out of like a hundred people or uh, is it a hundred percent like of Let's assume it's 100 people. Say, I, I think uh, that's... Okay, Marvel, call, however, calls a more select pool of recruits uh, what it terms friends and family screening. It's larger than one might think and still a vigorous testing procedure, not a celebratory reception. It's one way mm-hmm. for Marvel to control security and prevent leaks of either plot spoilers or footage get or spoilers or f- footage from getting out. It's a process Marvel has employed since the first Iron Man. But because of the Marvel testing process is not as random as other studio procedures, the 100 score for Guardians 2 is not necessarily able to be compared to non-Marvel movies. And testing, of course, is a complicated process and mm-hmm. not indicative of a movie's box office or performance. Um, yeah. I, I, do, I do think that this probably is indicative of the quality of the movie, though. Um, even even though it's like a a kind of pre-selected audience that is probably predetermined to like the movie based on their tastes or their affiliations with people from Marvel or whatever. But where was our invite, Marvel? Where yeah. was our invite? <laughs> um, just to give it, and I guess more, like it said, Marvel does this with uh, all of its movies. Uh, the two previous high scorers that were both in the 90s, in the high 90s, I guess, out of 100. Iron Man 3 and Avengers. Iron Man 3 was not a good movie. No. <laughs> <laughs> Avengers was good, though. But Iron Man 3, who ever... And maybe they just went, yeah, this is great, it's all talk, it's bad. Yeah, I was not a fan of that. No, I, I did actually quite grow to like the the twist in it with the Mandarin and whatnot, but like the the movie overall was was not great. Apparently, Deadpool with Fo- and Fox testing got a ninety six. Just I'll, I'll I'll give it a bit of a reference of of non Marvel movies. Pretty Woman mm. tested in the seventies. Mm. Uh, <laughs> okay, and. Black Swan got a 55. <laughs> I've never seen Black Swan, but... No, I... My wife did. Forrest Gump scored an 88. Um, Argo 
was in the 90s. Horror movies tend to test in the 60s, although The Conjuring got a 91. And Deadpool okay. scored a 96. Hmm. Well, one day we'll uh, we'll get time to do an episode where, where we talk about, like, our tastes in movies outside of of, uh, of comic book things. <laughs> one day. There's no time at the moment, but one day one day we'll do it. Just to kind of give an idea of our uh, our backgrounds and tastes okay. and those type other things. Okay, we can do that at some point. It's a long way off for it for <laughs> teaser. <laughs> well, we might be getting a break soon, but uh, hopefully we can use that to finish off Luke Cage. Yeah, and then start Iron Fist that's out in a month. <laughs> yeah, March 17th. Yep. And uh, Tim Hernandez sent... Uh, apparently there is a reason why we haven't seen a Black Widow uh, movie yet. Yeah, it's. Uh, I read this article. It's essentially scheduling. Okay. Like, that is it. it basically, uh, they haven't managed to work out a time where it works for both Marvel and Scarlett Johansson, so that's why they haven't done it as of yet. Um, however, Scarlett Johansson remains totally committed to the project and says that uh, if she was... For, if they're going to do it, like she wants to like give her all to it, so doesn't want to have any other projects lined up. And I mean, she's obviously she does a lot of movies. Uh, right now, she's I would say she's probably at the sort of peak of her career. Um, she's doing obviously all the Marvel stuff. She's also uh, going to be in the new Ghost in the Shell that's coming out. Mm-hmm. So that's obviously taking up a lot of her uh, time at the moment. But once that's out of the way, then I, I don't know that she's got much else lined up. So. I think twenty twenty maybe twenty twenty. I think it's too too late to be honest for it. Like if they were going to do this, they should have done it five years ago. I think if if there's going to be a changing of the guard with the Infinity War in terms of Cap, Thor, and Iron Man, which I kind of see happening. Yeah, you know. Although there was something that I saw this weekend that. Tony, um, who plays Tony? Who plays Iron Man again? Uh, Robert, Robert Downey, Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> yeah. um, he 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 was like holding up a sign. Which movie do you want more, Sherlock three or Iron Man four? Oh my God, Iron Man four all day long. Yeah. I don't care about the Sherlock movies in the slightest. The Sherlock is Benedict Cumberbatch. I saw the. Fr- I don't he- care what Robert Downey Jr. says. <laughs> I saw the first uh, Sherlock movie he did, and that was I, I enjoyed that. I don't remember if I saw the second one. Hmm. My wife will remind me if we saw it or not when she hears this episode. Um, <laughs> if I did, I, I obviously I, I was probably asleep through most of it. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, uh, yeah. I think where I was going with this, if there's going to be a changing of the guard, there also needs to be uh, a couple of characters that carry over. Mm, yep. And ScarJo is... I mean, she's done such a wonderful job with the role. Um, I still think you could pull off, you know, in a year or two, uh, she could still pull off a phenomenal... Uh, Black Widow movie, and it has to be uh, a spy noir caper, uh, 
type movie. You know, stealth. Yep, absolutely. Oh, espionage. Or, or a shield, or a shield type movie. Yeah, you could. I mean, you know, kind of go. Um, shit, I can't remember the name of the series I was thinking of, but um, it was it was that MTV animated thing uh, with the female protagonist. But uh, yeah, you you could go that way too. You think it about Alias? Mm, no, may. I thought it was called something else. That might have been there, it. There was like an alias like live action show, and I'm sure there was an animated one as well. This, yeah, no, that might be it. That might be what I was thinking of. But anyways, um, yeah, you could, you could go tech as well, and you could go shield. But I, I, I think I'd rather see something in the noir uh, genre instead. Hmm. But I, I think it's probably too late to do that origin movie that, that we'd spoken about before. Like, remember how they were? Uh, they talked about uh, Budapest with uh, her yep. and Hawkeye. Yep. Budapest. Like, I think it's too late to do that now. Those both of those actors are probably too old to play younger versions of themselves without needing a lot of CG. Which, and we know that that C, that type of CG doesn't work that well. Yeah. When they tried to make people look younger and whatnot, it's horrible. They could use that like a, a little bit of the movie, maybe, like a flashback sort of yeah. thing. They could do that, which would be okay. Like they did it with uh, Michael Douglas and Ant Man. They had the flashback where they had the True. younger Michael Douglas. It didn't look too bad. You, I mean, there's ways to do it. You could even get an entirely different actress if you were going to do that, but. Um, yeah, like they did in uh, Indiana Jones three. Yes. Last said, where they got uh, River Phoenix to play yes. Indiana Jones. So I, I mean, th- there's ways. There's ways to do that story still, and maybe you do that um, after Scarlett Johansson decides uh, to give up the Black Widow role. You, you you know you use that to bring in the new car- the new actress to that will replace her. Mm. I, I think uh, I think Nick Fury's the the carryover that needs to be in all of these though. Like uh, he needs to come back because mm-hmm. he's not been we've not seen him for a while since basically Winter Soldier. Yeah. So so he needs to come back. Definitely. So, um, Andy, let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back and we'll do the episode. No worries. All right. Three, two, one. We're back. All right. So, all right. I think we've done news. We have, we've sa- we're saving a couple tweets for the end when we do the traditional Twitter stuff. But um, since we get a lot of tweets with news, which we really appreciate because sometimes we miss shit. Or we read it and we forget about it and forget to share it which I'm guilty of all the time. Um, yep. We appreciate uh, the tweets. that, uh, And so I, want, I just want to try and put those, at least put those tweets in the news section going forward. So, all right. But we've, we've done the, we've talked about everything but what the show is really about. And that's this week's episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So, Andy, without further ado, what was the, this week's title? 
So this is season four, episode thirteen of Marvel's Agents of Shield, which was titled Boom. Oh, much like <laughs> much like Ezio mm-hmm. in uh, in Assassin's Creed, he has the boom apple and every time he uses it, it for some reason it explodes, goes boom, boom. <laughs> so yeah, boom. And also a POD song. Very good POD song that I'll put at the end of this episode. Okay. Cool. I like to tie tie these musical things into the title. I, I like it I've when been you give me, your... give me a title that's that's just a song. I'm like, yeah. I've been enjoying your musical selections at the end of the episodes. Yeah, I've been trying to trying to mix mm-hmm. it up a bit because uh, the uh, I've actually been using one of the old intros. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it just it it feels better for okay. this season because I think we used the. Uh, like the ACDC song for last season. Mm-hmm. And it worked well for that season, but it doesn't fit this season. No. I don't know why, but it doesn't seem to fit it. But the, the old the old one, is just, it brings back nice memories of those early episodes and stuff. So I, I, I'm bringing it back. And this might be the last season, so we're getting all the callbacks in. <laughs> we'll talk slightly more about that at the, at the end of this episode because I have, I have some thoughts. Okay. So this episode started off in Spain. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice bit of globe trotting for us here. I like it when they go to like different places in the world, although they didn't really make very much of Spain here. To be honest, like just happens to be in Spain, like for reasons. Um, so yeah, Coulson kind of laments on his life choices basically, and uh, he he mentions that he's had this like voice in his head for the last few months, and it's basically been May's voice and inside his subconscious, and, and this is kind of. Again, alluding to them becoming closer over the last few months that we've obviously seen. I don't believe he's talking about since she was uh, replaced by the LMD. I think he means before that, <laughs> up to that point. He's like, oh, I really miss that LMD. Like, oh, I'll just bring her back. <laughs> I really up, miss my blow-up doll. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, basically, uh, Colson and Mac are searching for a woman who could potentially lead them to May. Uh, and they do manage to find this woman who, for some reason, looks almost identical to Ada. Mm. She's very weird. But we'll, we'll get more into that in a minute. Um, meanwhile, Radcliffe and Ada have built a whole world for uh, May. So this is a real May. Uh, to live in. Um, he's calling it the framework. And obviously we've seen a little bit of this before where we saw her like, fighting, through the, uh, fighting through the levels, trying to escape uh radcliffe's prison essentially but they've seemingly managed to expand that to be like essentially the size of the entire world so they've created a whole world for her to live in uh, assuming there's other like people like or fake people inside it to for her to communicate with and and probably fight she's probably just fighting hundreds and hundreds of people <laughs> that's May's happiness I would like to go. I, I hope we get uh, a little look at what she's doing in the framework at some point. Yeah, I mean, it could be actually a really cool place for them just to throw out some references to like uh, to uh, characters and stuff like that, like B listers and C listers that we haven't seen at all. They could throw like all sorts in there, anyone and everything, and the, and obviously wouldn't have any real world ties to the uh, to the show because it's all like inside a digital mm-hmm. framework essentially which would be cool it should they should definitely do that as like cool at least egg thing 
Um, okay, so uh, we also find out that the superior read the dark gold um, and uh, told him how to solve the inhuman problem. As we know, it's different for every person who reads it. Um, and all, basically, what it told him was that Radcliffe was his solution to the inhuman problem. So, okay, <laughs> like I, I, all I see is like when he opens the book, it just says Radcliffe, or it just has a like big picture of Radcliffe's face. Because he doesn't seem particularly like bothered by it at all. Like, and obviously, when when we saw that Radcliffe read it, even for like a split second, he was like overcome by like how awesome it was. But he does have like that whole scientific background and and brain and whatnot, and he'd be able to. It would probably show him deeper meaning things and whatnot. Like he's talking about like curing death and all this. Um, but yeah, the superior is a more much more grounded individual based in like real world real manly things mm-hmm. and he just wants to solve this one problem and he in the book gives him one simple solution to it which is Radcliffe uh, so Radcliffe reveals that he plans to create a new inhuman to basically dangle in front of S.H.I.E.L.D. so he's going to do this using some Terrigen crystals that he created previously which are harmless to humans but uh, potential inhumans will be turned by them uh, he says he made them when working for a previous benefactor I believe this was Hive Yes. yes. Yeah, okay. Yes, that was Hive. Yeah, because I, I was like, it took me a minute. In fact, it was my second watching where I was like, who the hell is he talking about? And I was like, oh, he must be talking about, about Hive because Hive wanted to like create more Inhumans. So he'd obviously worked on this as part of that. He never ever used these as part of that because they were focused on the, doing the whole thing with the Cree blood and whatnot. I remember they drained mm. Daisy and all that. Yep. Uh, so he, and amongst that, he did manage to uh, perfect creating uh, Terrigen crystals of his own somehow uh, and he's planned to use them to create an inhuman uh, so over at Shield HQ uh, Fitch receives a delivery of a suit and when he it's inside like a, a sort of hanger clothes, clothes hanger bag uh, and when he gets this the, uh, the metal clothes hanger sets off the LMD detector <laughs> or does it or does it was is it potentially that that lady who brought in the suit could she be an LMD <laughs> whoever she is no name like lady don't know or or my other theory is that it did seem like they were just putting it on at that point like it seemed like they literally just switched it on and then it activated when that lady walked through the door could it be that when they activated it, it detected bits as an LMD, oh. like you mentioned? Because it did seem like they just activated it, and then because otherwise, what is the purpose of that scene at all? There is no purpose to that scene, um, unless to dangle a little thread. Well, it's I'm not disagreeing with you. But I think the idea is what was ever in the suit bag, which we find out in a few minutes, mm. uh, could could have something to do with that. But no, uh, looking back on it, you're right. It is an LMD detector. Yep, and I mean it. It says LMD detected. It doesn't like say metal detected. Uh, and Fitz says oh, they need to recalibrate it because they can't have like every metal clothes hanger. 
or Coulson's arm and things like that being detected by this thing. But it could, it, it probably, surely they would have thought of that already and calibrated it to just detect like full body robots. But anyway, like uh, moving on, so we, I'll, I'll talk about that more again in a second. Uh, we see Simmons testing uh, Director Mace. Uh, she reveals to him that the serum he's been taking is potentially lethal to him and that the next injection might kill him and each subsequent injection after that will make it more and more likely that will lead to his death. Uh, essentially, he will never be Captain America. Uh, he does mention, though, that he's been uh, tr- in training um, and he's been learning to fight and uh, doing physical conditioning and stuff like that. Mm. Uh, trying to kind of better himself. Um, and he does mention that he's been training with uh, Agent Piper, who managed to pin him in 10 seconds today. <laughs> um, if you remember Agent Piper, she's probably the only other S.H.I.E.L.D. agent outside of the core team, that has been named and not died so far. Yep, you're right. And, and she has actually had a few like decent lines and whatnot. Um, so she, we assume she'll come back at some point. Like We haven't seen very much of her for a good while in the show, but she'll pop back up eventually. And it's good that they're still recognising that she's still around. Um, so yeah, basically, Mace mentions that he's been demoted from uh, the, the coach to the quarterback, and now he's been benched for the season. <laughs> and Simmons is like, well, you'll find your place in the footy team one day. <laughs> uh, so at this point, Fitz comes in and brings him uh, a new suit with a serum delivery device on the belt, which is obviously very bad timing because he is just being told that he's not allowed to use the serum, essentially. Um, now, this is the suit that we saw the lady bringing in, which does seem to have quite a bit of metal in it and isn't just like metal coat hanger which is like fits his kind of lie into the the guy who's telling to recalibrate the machine uh, and this could be I mean this suit could be potentially like a, like because a, it is like a full body suit so it is kind of person shaped and it, is, it does have a fair whack of metal in it I would assume although it can't be that heavy because that like small lady could carry it with with no problem, and Fitz could carry it with no problem, and Fitz is not that strong. So yeah, Kevlar is fairly light. Yeah, so, but I mean, uh, yeah. So there isn't going to be a massive amount of metal in it. No, it would it would have been on a metal hanger, like Fitz said. But I I think like having having that scene there where they mentioned that and had the L and D detector go off. Like I think there's something in that. Now that you and, mentioned maybe, it, I agree with you. Yeah, so I mean that that could be like a little thread there that's been mm-hmm. dangled for us, and a lot of people wouldn't miss wouldn't miss that. But then they can call it back later on, like we've seen them do before mm-hmm. with the little things that May's done that have been different. Yep. So we might see that be called back out later on. So Fitz is the LMD. That's my my guess. And we did kind of speak about this uh, about Fitz potentially being an LMD and having been replaced before. Because he did spend a lot of time with Ratcliffe, yep. and and if they reveal that, that's that's a holy shit moment. Like when they reveal that. Uh, okay, so meanwhile, Daisy is in a conference call relocating Inhumans, and uh, she seems to basically do the job herself, and seems very director like for for me during this. She's calling all the shots here, like moving all the all the chess pieces around the board, which is great, and she essentially then hands the project off as completed to uh, 
to Mace to uh, do, deal with all the bureaucratic crap of it, to deal with the UN and the Sokovia Accords and all that. She's like, yep, you need to make a bunch of foreign co- phone calls now. Go ahead. He's essentially become a paper pusher. He's the PR guy. Yeah. <laughs> You know he he's gonna he's gonna be the spin doctor. He's gonna be the PR guy. He you know he's going to be um, the press secretary. Yeah, which which is a vital position, mm-hmm. but definitely does not have the pizzazz of what he'd been doing previously, where he was the director in charge plus the uh, the the star of the show as well. So uh, Coulson calls in at this point and it reveals that it turns out Radcliffe had modelled Ada on this lady Agnes Kitsworth who is on an Australian expat living in Spain. Uh, so they basically are planning to uh, investigate her a bit more. Uh, Mace mentions that he wants to do more for the team and Coulson uh, says that he felt the same when he started working with the Avengers. So it's like a call back to way back when... Iron Man 1, 2, Avengers, Thor, all this. Uh, And and basically he he says to Mace that something will happen and he'll find he has to make a call and it's up to him to to make that call when the time comes. Uh, But try to avoid getting stabbed with an Asgardian staff while you're doing it. (laughs) Again, obviously call back to Avengers when Loki uh, stabbed Coulson through the chest. (laughs) And Killed him, but didn't really kill him. But it dead was, if you're Joss Whedon. <laughs> it was a good callback. Yeah, definitely. I like I like the callbacks that they've been throwing mm. out this the second half of this mm-hmm. season. Uh, they're direct uh, references to the movie universe as well as like direct references to things that have happened to Coulson and the other characters through the seasons and and whatnot. Re- really, really good references. Um, that has been something that the show's been. It was lacking a little bit of last season, and they're they're hitting out of the park with these this season. Mm-hmm. The only thing we need is a cameo from someone to top off, put the icing on the cake, or the cherry on top of the icing on the cake. Um, so in uh, Spain, we see Coulson confronting Agnes about Radcliffe. Uh, she basically says that she doesn't want anything to do with him ever again, and like and walk, goes to walk away. But Max shows her a picture of Ada, and she's like, oh. Okay, that that's kind of like that looks a bit like me. Yeah, <laughs> great. My ex boyfriend made a live doll of me. Yeah, <laughs> that's not creepy at all. <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, we then see uh, Scruffy Dog visiting Senator Nadir at her office. Uh, he basically confronts her and says that he thinks she's an inhuman, and he smashes the crystal, which. Uh, Bust into like the the gaseous form that we that we know uh, from anytime we've seen a, a Terrigen crystal smash before. Uh, it doesn't do anything to her. She's fine. Just kind of the gas goes over, and she's like, "Ha ha, I'm fine. Look, I'm not an inhuman. Fuck you, basically." Um, and her aides are fine as well, so they're not inhumans. However, Scruffy Dog cocoons, uh, and she is like, "Oh, you you dirty inhuman and all this." Um, because she hates inhumans, even though her brother's one. This uh, this was awesome. Mm. You know, because, yeah, he uh, pops the Terrigen capsule or crystal, whatever you want. 
And yeah, all of a sudden he, as you said, cocoons. He's the one who transforms. And you didn't see this coming. No, not at all. I, I didn't think Nadir was an inhuman at all either. Like, I just thought nothing would happen with this. Like, oh, he's going to smash it down and, yeah, it's going to be like a damp squib. And she's going to then be, like, kind of against him and maybe turn, uh, but not turn into an inhuman, but, like, turn against the watchdogs and uh, the Russians and whatnot. But that is not what happened. Scruffy dog cocoons and then uh, very quickly thereafter emerges from his cocoon exploding uh, creating quite a large explosion, to be honest, uh, which kills Senator Nadir and two of her aides. Mm-hmm. Quite, quite an unexpected turn there, because revealing an inhuman, making them explode on the spot, and killing off what we assumed was going to be one of the the major kind of bad guy players in the in the season. Yeah. Um... Yeah, you turn Scruffy Dog into from a uh, B-list, uh, no-name character that we named Scruffy Dog uh, <laughs> into an actual Marvel character, which we'll get into in a second. And then you yeah. kill off uh, somebody who has been, if not the big bad, the, the mini big bad of the season so yeah. far. Now, this, this, was, uh, this was phenomenal. Yep, bold a bold move mm-hmm. to do this like halfway through an episode. Usually, this is like the the sucker punch at the end of an episode. Yep, but no, like literally halfway through the episode. So when he did this, I was like, holy shit! They must be like planning some like big things for this episode. So, but yeah, big big twists there. Um, so yeah, Scruffy Dog explodes, kills a deer, and the and the aids. Um, okay, back over in Spain, we find out that Radcliffe couldn't fix Agnes uh, and that's why he left her uh, she has a inoperable brain tumour so she's basically uh, living living essentially on borrowed time just trying to make the most of her life and the days that she has left uh, she says that she moved to Spain basically to get away from people feeling sorry for her because when Mac hears about it he's like oh I'm sorry and she's like yeah I don't like that I, like, I want to be happy and we saw her like earlier in the day. Like, I think she was buying coffee or a donut or something, and uh, having a, a nice, happy interaction with the the uh, the server. She's just trying to have have fun with the the kind of the twilight of of her life, which is understandable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she she uh, says to them, uh, "Oh, thanks for uh, thanks for ruining one of my last good days," which is <laughs> quite sad. Um, she also says uh, finding out your nightmare ex has built a robot replacement of you is a lot to process and uh, she, she needs to go away for the, the rest of the day and just chill out uh, she, she also says that she wants again nothing to do with Radcliffe at all, uh, Coulson kind of threatens her at this point but she like she doesn't care about about him threatening her because like Coulson could do whatever he wanted to her and like she knows she's going to die anyway so She's she doesn't have any fear of that. She's made she has made peace with uh, with with the the concept. Yeah, yeah. She's obviously she's had a, a good uh, amount of time to to process it and whatnot already. Like the the fact that she's got this brain tumor and there's nothing that she can do about it. So she's she's accepted that and just trying to 
enjoy what's what's left of her life. Uh, so yeah, she doesn't care about like the situation that's going on and uh, walks away. Uh, Coulson, however, says that says to Mac that he won't give up on May and that he'll make Agnes cooperate. Uh, and Mac basically says that no, he wants absolutely no part in it. Like this, this lady's going through enough. Uh, we've already given her some really bad news today that is going to impact on her last sort of happy days, um, and he doesn't want any part of like force, forcing her to cooperate with them. Uh, he do, Mac also does like plant the idea in Colson's head that well, Nay might not even still be alive; she might already be dead, and they just don't know it. But Colson absolutely re- rejects that. He's like, nope. Like May wouldn't give up on me, so I can't give up on her. Which is which is nice, nice sentiment. Uh, we then see Shield, the Shield team attending Nadir's office to the site of the bombing. Um, Director Mace uh, is tasked with answering the press questions because, like he, the guys have the investigation covered. Uh, the rest of the team, Daisy, Fitz, and Simmons investigate the scene and they discover through CCTV footage that Scruffy Dog was there and they decide to run a facial recognition scan of the kind of surrounding area for Scruffy Dog to see where he was and if he survived and where he went because they uh, he was didn't seem to be one of the bodies that was at the morgue. Uh, we then see Scruffy Dog returning to the, the watchdogs and the Russians uh, where the superior is is also the other there are kind of like a wee hideout sort of place and kind of seems like a, a like a warehouse sort of place. Mm-hmm. Uh, the superior is pissed as fuck at him because he killed the, one of their like kind of big assets, which is not what the plan was at all. Uh, but Scruffy Dog claims that the deer. Uh, did turn when he exploded the crystal and she then subsequently exploded and died and uh, Superior asks him like how he escaped and he's just like oh I don't remember uh, and the Superior then asks him like oh how am I supposed to trust you and he just says you are my Superior Superior's like yeah that's that's what I wanted to do, cool, that's fine that works, as lo- yeah that's fine as long as I'm still in control of you, cool that's good by me, I actually meant to say that at the beginning of the episode when you asked me how it was, it's going to go, yep, you're my superior. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the, the, the superior basically decides that like the situation is too hot and he needs to uh, he needs to lay low for a bit, so he decides to leave because S.H.I.E.L.D. will be coming after Scruffy Dog now. He obviously realises that he's too exposed. So S.H.I.E.L.D. indeed does uh, come after him and uh, finds Scruffy Dog at this hideout along with some of the other remaining watchdogs. Uh, they kind of just beat them up a little bit. Daisy quakes, Scruffy Dog, and then they capture him. Uh, over in Spain again, we see Coulson visiting Agnes, and he apologizes to her. Uh, I don't know that he's necessarily apologizing for the situation, but more like the situation that she's in, but more apologizing for being an asshole to her earlier. And he then explains the situation with May and what's going on, like the Radcliffe's kidnapped May and whatnot, and May's very special to Coulson and things. And Agnes does then agree to help him. Now, on the plane, uh, the watchdogs and whatnot are captured there. Um, Daisy questions Scruffy, but he'll only speak to the director. So Daisy just quakes him, as you do. 
Like, no, you'll speak to me. But he, he essentially refuses. Radcliffe, meanwhile, receives an urgent alert from a post-humanist subgroup, which is marked private. Uh, and then he basically leaves his lab immediately. Uh, he leaves Ada instructions to perfect the framework in his absence because it's vital work. Uh, he does explain to her, however, that he modelled her after this lady Agnes in order to avoid the sort of uncanny valley. And we see here Ada showing a little bit of emotion. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you picked up on this, yeah. but because well, he shows her like a picture of uh, Agnes and Radcliffe together and like smiling and happy and whatnot, and obviously like a couple. And we see that Ada kind of shows a bit of emotion. I don't know if it doesn't. Don't know if it's quite sadness or, or what, but you definitely see that her uh, emotionless face is beginning to show some signs of emotion and sentience almost. I would say always worrying in the robot. Always worrying. Yeah, it's. And we have a tweet that gets into this as well. It is mm. disturbing. I think, you know, it's when we see... It's when we see her in these situations that her uh, uh, uncanny valley comes comes to... Uh, is exposed. Because it's in these mm. situations where you see she doesn't know what to make of this. Is she showing jealousy? Mm, possibly. Uh, you know what? What is that look? What is that response that she gives? You know, she finds out I'm not unique. Yeah, yeah, I'm not special. Well, she knew she yeah. wasn't unique anyway, did she not? Because there was the other Ada's, or there was at least one more, one other Ada anyway. And. They, I mean, and supposedly, uh, you know, Radcliffe, just off the cuff, has said uh, that you know the the May model is technically more advanced than uh, her model. Mm, yep. And we've seen little side, and she, and we've seen that she wants to kill uh, the actual May. so yeah again this is like planting little seeds that will build through this episode and then continue on through the rest of the season we'll we'll see something weird happen here I think Um, so back at shield base uh, Simmons has hydrocarbons up the wazoo I I don't know what that means but I, I don't think it's a sexual thing <laughs> Even well, it it's, it. I mean, up the wazoo is basically up the ass, you know? She's just got it. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, well, there you go. Like, But yeah, basically they... Uh, she should have had that burrito for lunch is what it comes <laughs> yes. down to. <laughs> but yeah, um, they, however, they did, uh, they did find a bunch of uh, selenium at the, uh, they took- at the site of the bombing. They they, t- they took the Quinjet through the drive-through at the Taco Bell, and you know, <laughs> now she's got hydrocarbons up the wazoo. Okay, but yeah, so they, they did find uh, some selenium at the at the site of the bombing, um, which is essentially pieces of inhuman husk, 
And they realized that the only person to walk away from this was Scruffy Dog. And they realized that he must be an inhuman and it was him that caused the blast. Um, so in the other part of the plane, uh, Director Mace is going to try his other superpower, the power of persuasion. But he doesn't really get a chance to do that because uh, the uh, some shield red shots like uncuff uh, Scruffy Dog and let him go, and he goes. He kind of walks up to Mace and uh, and Daisy, and he's like, "Oh, you two are the most well-known Inhumans in the world." Uh, and you can kind of see his thought process of, "Well, like he hates Inhumans, even though he is one. Like, why don't I try and take out the two most." Like powerful and most well-known and humans in one fell swoop. So he kind of does his thing and starts to like build up to explode. Uh, at this point, Simmons and Fitz run in and reveal that he's the bomb essentially. Uh, Daisy kind of quakes him out the way and then and then like she, I'm not quite sure what happened to Daisy because she didn't do anything else in this scene. Uh, I assume that she fell over or something, tripped, had to tie her shoelace. I don't know. But yeah, she quaked him kind of out of the way and then Fitz and Mace uh, go to tackle him and obviously Mace isn't, does not have powers so it, it takes the two of them to kind of tackle him into the containment unit. Uh, they close it and Simmons ejects it basically just as he explodes. Um, and I thought this explosion was a bit weird because the containment unit was literally like still inside the bottom of the plane when it blew up and it didn't seem to affect the plane one bit. Huh? Try that again? Like the containment unit when it blew up, mm. it was basically still inside the plane. Like the top the top of it was still inside the plane and it exploded and nothing happened to the plane. The plane was like... I yeah. think they got it out in time. Yeah, but I mean, even if you if you exploded something that close to a plane, mm, like yeah. it's going to cause major damage. You would think, especially like I mean, we saw what the explosion did to an office. Like it blew up and like caused the windows to blow out, and it was like the explosion went way outside the the limits of the of the building. So it's going to go up and into the plane. So you would think it would cause a lot more damage to the plane than what it did, but. Let's let's issue logic, and there is vibranium tinting in the the panels of the plane. Maybe who knows? Yeah. Uh, Simmons then gets mad at Fitz, but for uh, for saving the day, but is also relieved that he saved the day. Uh, and Mace is kind of Mace kind of says that he fumbled the ball here, um, and obviously he's like. Yeah, he feels kind of a little bit useless without his uh, without his superpowers. He, he's in a weird place right now. Mm. I, I mean, you can understand how he feels because he's he's been used to being able to just like use use his powers when mm-hmm. need be, uh, which hasn't been too often. But like, it's also, it's come very in handy for his publicity stunts as well as like once or twice stepping in and uh, literally saving the day um but yeah he's unable to do that here whereas if he'd had if he'd been able to use the serum he could have dealt with the situation and like essentially picked the guy up and chucked him in the containment unit himself uh, and 
then it would have been a much faster uh, resolve to the situation where he's just pick him up, chuck him in, eject him, he's gone. And then and then it wouldn't be the, the case of like the thing has exploded like literally just outside the plane. It would have probably dropped down a bit, or he might have stopped his explosion if he can. Yeah, the only thing I thought of... The, I thought those containment units were supposed to neutralize their powers. So... You know, if you shoved them in there and shut the door, why weren't they able to neutralize? Well, I guess because they they didn't know he maybe he was in a non-powered containment unit because they didn't realize well, he was a inhuman. Well, yeah, they they didn't obviously right up until that point, and they didn't really have any options of what to do with it. But I think all the containment units are built the same, and they're built with the molecules that are designed to adapt to whatever's in them. But as we've seen before. Like Ghost Rider was able to get out of it. Mm, true. I mean, Ghost Rider is not like quote unquote an inhuman, but there is, like, there is definitely a threshold to the, the sort of power it can contain. And I mean, if you cause a massive explosion in it, like if that explosion is powerful enough, it's going to disintegrate the thing. Yeah. I mean, so we we do see like after the explosion, uh, Scruffy kind of almost floats back down to Earth in molecule form and then reconstitutes himself on the ground, first as a skeleton, which was very weird, and I don't think you would have, we would have ever seen that at the earlier time slots. Um, and then he kind of reforms his skin on himself, and he's naked, of course, because, well, his clothes like are vaporised in the explosion. Uh, and, he, and he says, oh, that was fun. So he's, he's enjoying his new power set, even though he doesn't like the fact that he's an inhuman. He's like, well, I might as well make the most of this. And he then seems, uh, a passerby comes by and like asks if he wants a ride, which is very nice of this man. Very nice. It's a shame for this man. Um, Shield, uh, Shield team realises that Scruffy isn't dead, and they reckon that Daisy can create a counter-vibration in order to stop him from blowing up, because he released a kind of weird sort of noise just before he blew up. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was like a vibration and Daisy has managed to stop like vibrations and stuff before so she theoretically can do it again even though she's a bit reluctant to. Uh, Mace does mention that at this point this guy is the perfect weapon. He's an undetectable suicide bomber who can walk away. Like that is that when you put it like that that is a scary scary thought. True. Yeah, I mean, he, he, like he's, guy, he's the perfect weapon. He's the perfect weapon. I mean, like, imagine the amount of, like, mass destruction this guy could cause. Just gets on a plane, goes, sits on it, gets through all metal detectors, and no problem. Waits till it's over a major city, blows himself up, plane goes boom. And then he can he's free to go and do it again, like, as many times as he wants. Yeah. <laughs> He'd obviously have to use different... Uh, passports because <laughs> he would be dead each time but like i mean that would be an easy easy part of doing it i would imagine like but yeah that that thought is really scary and i'm glad that we do not have things like this in real life um so we then see uh <laughs> do you have written either here it's actually agnes uh we then see agnes waiting at a restaurant for radcliffe who is late and we should know scottish people are always late <laughs> okay 
I, I, I can attest to that. Yeah, like, I mean, I, like, I would say that probably 90% of episodes of Agents of Shieldcast, I'm probably 5 to 15 minutes late for. Every goddamn week. <laughs> Every goddamn week. Every goddamn week. <laughs> Except tonight, because I, w- I fell asleep and... I was still late. Yeah. <laughs> Even though you were later, I was still late. You were time. later. <laughs> but you know, it's, it's actually quite funny because, like, I'm not late for work. Like, I get to work nice and early on time. But any other thing, always late. Always late. It doesn't matter how how well in advance, like, I pr- prepare for it. Like, I'm always late. Something always comes up and I'm late. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's work. Like, I don't know what it is. It's really weird. So see, if Marvel was paying us for this show, mm-hmm. I would, like I would be on time. Okay, so, yeah, that's how we do it. <laughs> I, I'll mention that to him, saying, "Look, if you start paying us, we'll get these episodes. <laughs> we'll get the episodes out on time too." By the way, did uh, <laughs> yeah. I think? I think. I think. According to my wife, we're still one behind. Twelve is up. Twelve just went up. It's up today. Okay, because <laughs> she was looking for it. Yep, I actually did have an issue uploading it because I tried to do it yesterday mm-hmm. and uh, it wouldn't upload for some reason. Like the the uh, service that I used to upload it would mm-hmm. not work for some reason. Just kept giving me errors. But it's up now okay. in the feeds. Uh, so yeah, Agnes uh, waits at this restaurant for Radcliffe who is late. He, uh, she's kind of like, yeah, I don't think he's going to show. It's I think we should call this a day. But they kind of talking into waiting just a wee bit longer. Uh, at this point, a waiter brings her over a phone, and it's Radcliffe on the phone for her. Uh, he claims to her that he can save her life, basically, if she follows his instructions. So Colson and Max basically tell her to play along, because uh, they realise that Radcliffe is somewhere in the vicinity, and they want to get to him, essentially. Now, over at the, uh, the Park Mesa Motel... Uh, Scruffy arrives in the car that we saw the stranger uh, offer to give him a ride in, and he now has clothes, and this guy is not there. So it's very likely that he killed this nice man who kindly pulled over and offered to give a strange naked man a lift. Now, whose fault is that? Is that the stranger's fault? For I don't know. Picking up like, strange naked over? men, yeah. you're kind of asking for trouble. Yeah, I mean, like, if I saw a strange naked man by the side of the road, I'm going to put my foot on the gas pedal and drive on just a little bit faster. Maybe I'll hear something about it in the news later. Maybe I won't. Like, I am not stopping at all. There is no good reason for a man to be naked in this situation. And as we know, in this universe, a strange naked man kicking about is always a bad sign. Like, we see here with this guy who ends up uh, killing or at least disposing of the, the the nice man who offered to give him a lift. And you then look back at like Avengers 1 with uh, a Bruce Banner falling from the sky, ends up naked, causes massive damage to a building because he fell down as the Hulk. Yeah, naked men, stay away from them. They could be the Hulk. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I'm going to say. <laughs> like, nope, I don't want any part of that. Same goes for naked women. I'm not being sexist. I would just drive on. Like, nope, I don't need to explain this to the wife. Let's go. I might call the police, but... (laughs) But yeah, I'm going to drive past. Maybe that's just the world we live in. 
Could be. But yeah, French naked people. Let's stay, steer clear of them, I think. Okay, so uh, he then uh, he then calls the superior, and he comes clean about uh, him being an inhuman, but. Mm-hmm. But he does give him the caveat that he will still fight for the superior's cause because he still hates Inhumans and S.H.I.E.L.D. and all this, so he's still going to be a good soldier boy for him. And he says that he will deliver S.H.I.E.L.D. to him. Uh, at this point, he then blows up the motel that he's in. He does tell the uh, sort of the guy that's working there to, to run away, though. Which was kind of nice of him, <laughs> I suppose. So maybe he didn't kill that other guy. Maybe he just stole his clothes. See, I wasn't sure if it was the same guy or not. Oh, no, no, it wasn't. Like, uh, he arrived in the car on his own, and then the guy that was in the motel was, like, the guy that was either working in there or was the, the owner. Okay. Uh, at Shield HQ, Simmons helps Daisy to focus her vibrations, and she, she is, doesn't really manage to do it. She, like, causes an explosion, 100% of the time, but they don't have too much time to practice on this because it's time to suit up because a motel just blew up and they need to go and deal with Scruffy Dog. So S.H.I.E.L.D. heads to the motel and they mention that a bomb squad will meet them there. How the hell will a bomb squad help them in this situation? Like, there's no bomb to defuse. Yeah. <laughs> S.H.I.E.L.D. Like, logic... I thought that was actually just a bit of poor wording because, like, when they actually go there, there's no bomb squad there at all. There's just, like, the thing that they've invented rather than a bomb squad. So maybe that's just what they're calling that thing? I don't know. Well, well, when they when they investigate where? Uh, the motel. Well, uh, tip, I mean, typically you would send the bomb squad there to uh, investigate and... Uh, determine what type of bomb, etc. Yeah, but they already know that it was like this guy. Yeah, but maybe they don't want other people to know that what it is yet. Oh, so that you think they might be sending the bot, like the bomb squad might be going there as like a cover. Yes. So they provide a pre- okay, okay, because they, obviously they they still don't want humans to be like bad mouthed, uh, and I suppose okay, so they might like try and play it off as like some like a terrorist attack or something like that. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, Radcliffe. Uh, so Radcliffe mentions to Agnes that he's managed to cure death itself, which is like a very bold statement. And this sounds very Thanos esque, <laughs> to be honest. Like mentioning like big, like worldly concepts like that. Uh, and he asks Agnes to come with him, and he tells her about the framework. Um, he does mention to her that he has a subject in the framework now who is thriving, which we know is May, obviously. Uh, Colson and Mac rush in, but they are too late. Uh, Radcliffe and Agnes leave, and she like takes her earpiece out and stamps it. She's like, yeah, I'll go to Radcliffe. He's my hero. And uh, some goons show up and shoot up the place, which stops Colson and Mac from pursuing them. Now, at the motel, we see Daisy confronting uh, Scruffy Dog. He's now back to a fully functional jackass. Uh, and Simpson, uh, Simpson, uh, Simmons mentions that uh, the amount of energy that has been required to do this, to like, reform that quickly, it must be enormous. 
uh, oh, I think she says exhausting. Uh, and this gives uh, Daisy the idea to try and tire him out by making him explode continuously. So, so she tries that and blows him up a few times, as he does. Uh, and he kind of says to her, oh, if you wanted to see me naked, all you have to do is ask. <laughs> yeah, this, 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 this was a cool scene. Uh, he just keeps walking towards her and she just keeps blowing him up. Yep. And uh, I saw an article on it and I was just reading through uh, the wiki just to see if we could have, um, just to see if we should have picked up that he was Nitro before. Um, in the comic book, or in the 616 universe, his real name is Robert Hunter. And 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 in uh, this one, he is known as Terrence Shockley. So we wouldn't have picked it up there. But the whole thing uh, with the scene between him and Quake, as he is just uh, keeps moving closer and closer to, towards her, and she keeps blowing him up to uh, to tire him out. Taken out of a, a an Iron Man comic. The whole plot, uh, yeah, exactly, e- exactly correct. Yep. So we uh, they they haven't confirmed this. Marvel hasn't confirmed this, but uh, from the way that his power manifests, he's very clearly Nitro. He, I mean, he, he's mm-hmm. he's a slightly he's slightly different in terms of like the actual character of him, but he's still like a kind of bad dude. So, uh, but yeah, the the actual power set that he has almost identical to to what Nitro's is in the comics. Basically, he ends up with his superpowers that allow him to uh, explode and then re uh, reconstitute himself at mm-hmm. will, uh, essentially, like, reform himself from the, the molecules but, of the... Uh, right. But there, yeah. there are two uh, key points in... Well, there's a few points in Nitro's history that come very close to what happened in this uh, episode. I mean, they are taken mm. directly from the comic book. Uh, it was uh, during uh, during the battle, Iron Man, and I'm reading from the Marvel Wiki. During the battle, Iron Man detected the emission of a certain frequency before each explosion and quickly deduced that it was what caused Nitro to, to explode at will. He duplicated the signal weakened uh, and weakened Nitro by repeated explosions which in turn knocked him out. He then gave him over to S.H.I.E.L.D. Now, in one of his uh, earlier uh, appearances, uh, and what you're about to get to, uh, what they did later, Nitro uh, once again reintegrated and lured Marvell into battle. Marvell subdued him by once again capturing half of Nitro while he was getting a gaseous state in a container preventing him from physically reintegrating and then the container was given over to project pegasus um and that's kind of what they do uh she uh and i'm i know i'm jumping ahead slightly here but we can go back uh quake keeps making him blow up and as they do this simmons and Fitz and Simmons drive through with a vehicle and basically suck up his gas. Yep, that is exactly exactly what happens in in that comic book as well. Yeah. Uh, maybe not quite exactly, but uh, Captain Marvel 
or Marvel indeed does capture half of his remains in a container, basically like they do here. Uh, I would say this is 100% confirmation that this is Nitro. Uh, a really unexpected introduction for this character because it's come entirely out of the blue. And at I, the I wrong really time, and we'll get into that in, a, in our thoughts. Yeah. I don't know that we'll necessarily see any more of him because, like like we say, they captured him, uh, essentially negated his threat in, in one episode, which was a shame because Nitro is a, a really great villain uh, and a really powerful villain for them to, to have to deal with. But, yeah, they've wrapped him up. And we did ask for more of this sort of, like, Freak of the Week type stuff, and they, mm-hmm. they, they've done it all in here. So they, they took a character that's been uh, essentially a background character going on and we like we said un absolutely unmemorable like we couldn't even remember his name so we just gave him a cute pet name scruffy dog and they actually turned him into an interesting villain and then captured them all in the space of one episode so that by my book is 100 percent freak the week totally fine and they did it really well as well uh again like i said shame that um this the nitro storyline seems to have been dealt with so quickly uh but it worked really well and yeah like you said so daisy keeps quaking him over and over and she seems to tire much quicker than what he does which was a bit of a flaw in her her initial plan to be honest but uh, they do uh, summons and fits do manage to drive in and scoop him up uh, and it was kind of like so and uh, i'd put here that uh fits sucks him into his big ball <laughs> it kind of reminded me of like a ghostbusters trap i don't know i don't know if you got that vibe yeah, yeah, I can see that. Sort of the don't let the streams cross, that type of thing. Yeah, and then they, like, they throw the trap down and it sucks them in. Kind of reminds me a little bit of that. Uh, but while that's, while that's going on, uh, Mace uh, steps away because the the guys realize that this whole thing is just a trap for the, the Russians and the rest of the watchdogs to uh, get to S.H.I.E.L.D., um, Mace kind of steps up and says he's found what his role is going to be and he's going to be the blocker which uh, to me was a Lemmings reference okay <laughs> but I think to most people it's probably like a football reference yes yeah, I mean he's all about sports and the team but yeah I like Lemmings better <laughs> Lemmings wins over football for me so yeah, he's the blocker, the guy that just stands there with his hands out and goes, you shall not pass. It's Gandalf. He's Gandalf. That's who he is. So yeah, um, he he does decide that it is one of these times where he's going to need to use his power. So he uses uh, the new suit that fits his belt for him and he uses the injector on it, injects himself, and then walks straight on into a truck. And he does manage to bring it to a stop. Uh, the, other, the other cars that are uh, following on from this truck, form up around him, and the superior and his goons get out the cars and kind of confront him. And I thought we were going to get a fight here between the superior and uh, Director Mace while he's powered, which I, I was like, this is going to be great. But that is not what happened, basically. Uh, superior just instructed his guys to capture Mace, essentially. So Mace is taking one for the team, and he gets hit with a bunch of like shock buttons essentially and captured. Yes. So that that's pretty much the end of the episode. We just had the the sort of 
after credits things where we saw Radcliffe and Ada putting uh, Agnes into the framework where they upload her memories. Uh, Coulson realises that May is still alive because of what Radcliffe said to uh, Agnes earlier and she is obviously in the framework like we know. Uh, And then we see that Agnes, although she got put into the framework and she's got this like lovely painting that uh, Radcliffe said that he would buy for her previously um, she has this <laughs> in the framework <laughs> yeah like he'd yeah. said to her earlier that, yeah, that he was going to buy all this painting and that he I think they'd, he'd got her a print of it before when they were together and yeah. after he left she threw it away so in the, in the framework she has the actual real painting and she seems happy uh, but the real life Agnes dies uh but uh ada and uh radcliffe are like well yeah but she's not really dead because she'll live on forever in the framework like but it's not really her it's just her sort of consciousness a kind of copy of her there is like an episode of black mirror i don't know if you've watched this show chip but it deals (laughs) directly with something very similar to this um it's i believe it's in season three of uh, a black mirror very very great show by the way like if if you haven't watched it have you listened uh, to a lot have you listened to the latest b teams i I, i've listened to like eli talking about it and i I think ryan as well i don't think ryan liked it uh they ryan uh eli and normie get into it on on this week's episode yeah i'm I'm sure they'd listen to it but but like oh such a such a great show like uh, and especially this one this is the the san bernardino episode I think they were talking about uh, very, like, very much this whole thing reminds me of, of that. So, like, if you haven't seen it, go and check that out. But, yeah, so uh, Agnes dies and but she'll live on forever in the framework. And Radcliffe is basically like, yeah, I've cured death. Now, Radcliffe then leaves the room and we see Ada taking Agnes's necklace and mm-hmm. putting it on. So this necklace, like Agnes has obviously had it for a long time because she also had it in the picture that we saw earlier of her with Radcliffe. Now, this isn't something that an android would normally do because, like, this is, like, an item which has, like, some kind of emotional attachment. Like, there would be no reason for an android to wear it unless instructed to. And I don't think Radcliffe has told Ada to like put it on it seems to be something that she's doing all of her own accord and we again see this whole like she's starting to show some form of emotions and some signs of sentience very interesting and um, we also see in here that me is still alive and still in the framework as we had suspected and as Radcliffe had mentioned earlier um and that's the end of the episode really good episode uh one thing that I, I want to say about this episode is the the actress that plays Ada and Agnes. I did not realize that this lady was such a good actress. Like you see her playing Ada, and you're like, okay, cool, she's playing like a robotic character, fairly straight faced and whatnot. But when you see the difference between her playing Ada and then Agnes, holy fuck, that that's incredible. Like, I, I was blown away by this portrayal. They didn't even look the same. Yep. It's it's definitely the same actress. Yeah. But the the way they did her posture and, like, her facial expressions and 
everything about her was so different. And like I know they did the the accent thing to to set her apart and like make it relatively easy for people to tell it was different, like a different character. But for me, it, it wasn't that that like set them apart. It was like her, basically her posture and like her pose and everything, like facial expression. Just what a good job this actress mm-hmm. has done. Like. I mean, I've kind of like taken Ada for granted as just being like, yeah, the the lady's like playing a robot. But when you see her actually like playing a real character in comparison to that, you're like, it's really like a great piece of acting. Like, really impressed by it. She, uh, yeah, like I said, it was, it was. I, I would have, I had to do double takes a few times. Mm. Yep. <laughs> Because the first time I saw her, I'm like, she looks quite like a lot like Ada. Oh, that's weird. And then it, it, it took me like a wee bit of the episode to go, that's actually the same actress. Yeah. But yeah, what a great job. Amazing. So, so what did you think of this episode overall, Chip? Well, <clears throat> I liked it. I, I, I liked it a lot. And first of all, uh, there were just, you know, the holy shit moment. Where, mm. and I gotta say that I think it may have gotten spoiled by Facebook, where I saw something. Okay. Uh, you know, I saw a uh, quick uh, headline: Did Mar- did Shield just introduce Nitro? Mm. Which kind of sucks, but um, it was. It was still a, a holy shit moment, and the fact that they killed Nadir surprised me. Mm. Oh yeah, I, I was glad because I hate the bitch, but um, at the same time, yeah. it was. I, I mean, she she wasn't the best character to be honest. She was a very one dimensional villain. Yeah. Um, stiff. She actually remained. Yeah, very stiff, and I know she's supposed to be kind of unlikable because she's the quote-unquote villain, but I, I do think that they've probably realized through the the uh, the filming of the show that it wasn't working quite the way they'd wanted it to work, and they've probably maybe, they've maybe changed things up a little bit and taken her out of the picture to make the superior into the, like, the main villain, who is a much more interesting character. In the way they did it, like introducing Nitro at the same time, awesome. He he's interesting, but at the same time, like like we said last week, he's kind of a disappointment because we would hope that it would be a quote unquote named villain of some type, you know, somebody yeah. with a little more uh, that was grounded in the Marvel universe. But so be it. Yeah, but. I'm, I'm- I'm I'm kind of okay with where it's at. Like I actually really like him as like as a character in his own right. Um, and mm. like the actor that plays him is a, a great actor as well. Mm. So th- that always kind of uh, adds to it a little bit. Like I, I don't know what it is about him. He's just kind of badass and kind of menacing in in the way that he's a bit understated. Yeah. So. But uh, in ter- in terms of you know, I thought it was a, I thought it was a good story. I thought it kind of went back to uh, the kind of like the first season to an extent. Mm-hmm. 
terms of uh, going into, you know, like you said, a Freak of the Week episode. Mm-hmm. And it was like, uh, yeah, let's let's take a look at this and see what happens. And um, so, so, so you're finally bringing in a major, and well, not a major character, but a character, uh, you know, a Marvel, a known Marvel character, and uh, put it, and uh, once again, you know, grounding it in in uh, the Marvel Universe. So I was psyched about that. Now, the thing is, Nitro is a huge, or, or a very significant Marvel character. Yes, because of the, the Stanford incident. Yes. Uh, which was the, the spark that kicked off the Civil War in he, the comic books. He is the, cause, uh, he is the cause of the Civil War. Yep. So, um... In terms of what, in terms of <clears throat> significant, you know, and are are you going to waste him? And the idea that he actually blew up a government building, I think, is mm. also key to take in, to keep in mind because uh, that there should have been more made of that. I thought that than what there was. He blew up a well, government building. Well, he did kill a very, very yeah. prominent uh, government official. Yeah. Like, that, that there was, and we did see, like, the news report on it. It was definitely a significant event in terms of, like, the like public image and whatnot. You think there would be more... Um, you would think that there would be more to it. And uh, more people I, I, involved. I, I would bet there like would be. I mean, I mean, he only he, he only killed four people, but like there there would have been injuries and whatnot from it as well. Um, the the interesting thing too that I, I definitely want to point out is that this all seems to take place over a very short period of time. So, like, say from the actual explosion to the. Uh, the the false explosion in the deal's office to the point where they capture him. That's the same like day. Mm. So uh, we haven't seen the entire fallout from that yet. Like Shield was able to uh, detain and capture him really very quickly. To be honest, um, whereas like in a real world situation, it probably wouldn't happen as quick as that. But they've managed to detain, capture him quickly, and now they're going to have to deal with a fallout from that in a future episode uh, because. They're gonna need. I don't know if they'll. If well, they need to explain that it was an inhuman that caused this explosion, and then they captured him, and then that's real, real bad PR for inhumans, which could lead to like literally an an inhuman civil war, like where you've got humans against inhumans. And I think that's part of um, it. It's an it's an odd timing, but I I mean. This you you would have thought that if they were going to do civil war, that mm. Nitro would they Nitro would have been introduced last episode or last season. Yeah, I mean, imagine they'd done this like earlier in the season, like yeah. before civil war came out. Like, oh, that that would be perfect. Uh, it's just it, 
uh, they maybe maybe they planned to do this like last season and couldn't quite get it together the stories to to tie up in time but i'm still glad they've done it like uh, and i actually didn't find out that he was like nitro until after i watched the episode the second time tonight and then i was just like going going through and picking out bits for the news and whatnot and i'm like oh like here's a here's an interesting theory and then like going and actually reading it and i'm like yeah this is it like a hundred percent this is this is the character like this is nitro but yeah it's really cool to introduce him here i don't think we've necessarily seen the last of him we'll probably he'll probably pop back up but the last time i said this when they captured somebody in a giant orb thing graviton where are you exactly yeah. <laughs> yeah, he knows, uh, and I, I, that, that's what i you know as soon as he was uh in the orb it's like so what are you gonna do put him on the shelf next to graviton yep and uh, absorbing man somewhere in the wind as well yep we know that we know that abomination is like out there in shield or hydra custody somewhere like they've got these great villains mm. that are in the wind somewhere that they they could bring them back don't know if they will or not but uh, they do have the potential to pull them back in. I, I think that the fact that they had Graviton in that first season and they haven't brought him back is crazy, unless they're saving him for like the finale of this this the show. Maybe. So, um, so yes, overall, yeah. uh, good episode. Interesting. Uh, introduction of a, of a Marvel character um, probably squandered <laughs> and um, I th- but we'll but we'll see where they go with it and uh, he, I, I I'm waiting to see what happens with Ada something she, she, she's got to go rogue she's got to like kill uh, Radcliffe or something yeah something weird like that um, she's definitely showing signs of some kind of sentience so maybe she'll realize that what Radcliffe's doing is actually kind of bad and and go against him in some way I don't know we've still got the May LMD that's still around who could as well is possibly yeah. turn good we well, don't know she's they, deactivated they her off. She, she's sleeping but they didn't they didn't like burn her with the other uh, LMDs so she's still has some role to play I, I believe maybe they've just got left her there to like get her to meet May so you can have another May versus May fight. <laughs> Could be another May versus May fight. <laughs> yeah. um, but but like this episode, I really really liked this episode. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Uh, last week's episode was great as well, and and this one again just as good, if if not slightly better. Uh, so they're going in the right direction. They're hitting the right notes. Like last week, we had all the pop culture references. This week, we've got like direct Marvel references mm-hmm. and this Marvel villain introduced. So they're ticking all all the boxes. And if only they could have done this like in season one, this level of like an interaction with this this type of dialogue and characters and whatnot, then I think the show would be in a very different place right now. Maybe. Maybe. I I I don't know. But that's a great segue into this week's numbers. We bumped mm-hmm. up. We bumped up to uh, a point seven this week. Okay, which is better? Uh, which is which was the f- former uh, series low before it hit the point six. But mm. uh, so 
it's still in last place for shows in its time slot on Tuesday night between the three networks. But you know, we'll see. We'll see where what happens. Um, the D, it, it hasn't been doing one week. It did well with the DVR numbers, but recently it hasn't been doing all that great. Um, so that's where we're at with the numbers. Okay. Uh, so speaking of the speaking of the numbers, mm. I've got an interesting article here from uh, TVLine.com. Okay. So basically, their article says here uh, by mid-May, broadcast networks must make some tough calls as to which series will and will not return for the next TV like season, two thousand seventeen, two thousand eighteen. Mm-hmm. Um, and TV Line has basically been uh, singling out some of the kind of bubble shows, so like shows that are on the verge and could go one way or the other and they're basically sizing up their prospects so that'd be interesting to kind of take a, a like a look at this and uh and just go through it briefly uh, so they've got like they've basically outlined the case for keeping the show and the case for cutting the show so the the case for keeping they've uh put it as where shield used to maddeningly lollygag which is an awesome word uh season four has been Bundling through plot at a very lively clip, totally true, has been much better. Uh, due to its plan to spread three distinct arcs, starting with Ghost Rider and then LMD and then going into we don't know what yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, the uh, the Ghost Rider stuff was pretty good, and then the uh, Ada and LMD storyline is doing a really good job of like taking what they did with the Darkhold and then continuing that, uh, that storyline on. Uh, they do say that the the series has never been lacking for uh, well cast Route 4 characters from obviously Coulson to May and Fitzsimmons and whatnot. And then obviously you've got uh, Mac, who still seems a bit of a mystery, whilst uh, you've got two of the team's strongest recruits, Bobby and Lance, who were ushered off in anticipation of that spin off series that was never meant to be. Hopefully they'll come back at some stage. They have been mentioned briefly, but they've never said anything about them actually coming back or not it's been hinted at in bits and pieces of interviews and things but we just don't know if they're ever going to show back up again i think it would be a shame if they didn't especially if this is going to be the last season Uh, so they've then they've then got the uh the case for cutting so the case for cutting the show uh they say heroes are only as good as their villains and you have to wonder who colson and company uh, having previously battled multiple iterations of Hydra, Grant Ward, uh, Hydra, Honcho, Grant Ward, and Inhuman God, Grant Ward, <laughs> plus assorted anti-this and anti-that organizations, who could they go up against in the season's third arc, let alone any possible fifth season? Uh, they do say they go on to say that their biggest threat might actually be the Nielsen's. Uh, so they say to date, the season four is averaging a 0.8 in the key demographic, down uh, 33% from last year and they did say that it hasn't cracked a 1.0 since the September opener uh, they also say that uh, most damningly of all only Quantico and the unofficially cancelled conviction rate lower among the ABC dramas whilst Shu draws the smallest audience of them all with just 2.48 million weekly viewers and uh, they do as well say that it's often speculated that S.H.I.E.L.D. gets to skate a bit due to ABC, Marvel, corporate synergy, but with an, the Inhuman series now in the wings and due for a splashy launch, like obviously with the IMAX stuff, the uh, the Zephyr 
which is the name of the plane, may want to prepare for a final landing. Yeah, all, all good points. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I would think that if anything, you try and build the two sh- a synergy between the two shows. Totally like, agree, yep. And try and do something like that. Uh, you know, uh, we had a tweet and I just had it up and I lost it. Um, Tim Hernandez showed provided the heroic Hollywood take on the this week's ratings showing that uh Flash and Legends held steady while Shield's numbers rose. It did. It rose like I said it rose a tenth of a point. Um but uh in terms of you know I I I think I just don't know if if in I I'm not sure Inhumans and S.H.I.E.L.D. work together as side-by-side shows as well as Flash, Arrow, and Legends. But uh, certainly, S.H.I.E.L.D. has... S.H.I.E.L.D. introduced the Inhumans into the MCU. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, there's no reason as well, though, why... Because, I mean, Inhumans has been a key part the last couple seasons of Mm S.H.I.E.L.D. But there's no reason why they can't just kind of move that side of it over to the Inhumans show once that begins and then S.H.I.E.L.D. can go back to like other things and still have like the odd Inhuman villains and whatnot pop in. And and crossover and... Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, cast from either show can uh, come and go from both shows just like they do in the Arrowverse. Um, Yeah. I, I do want to mention the one the one thing they don't say in, in that article that is definitely worth uh, worth uh, consideration with regards to like they're keeping or cutting is the DVR numbers. Like they don't take those into consideration at all. And we know that she does really well in DVR. It's not doing so well in DVR this year. But it does well. It does still does well, and <laughs> it boosts its numbers. I'm trying to I'm trying to put a positive spin uh, yeah, on this. It when I every every time I check the numbers, Andy, I also go and check the DVR numbers for the week before. And other than a couple of weeks ago, where uh, it got a like a hundred and fifty percent increase in its viewership based on the DVR numbers, it's still not cracking the top twenty five uh, with the DVR numbers. But yes, that I mean. You have the DVR numbers, you have the pay, uh, the on-demand numbers, you have all of that uh, to take into account. It's in the death slot, and ABC has uh, their their ten o'clock shows suck I'm, for number wise most of the time. Uh, they were talking. I was reading an article uh, earlier where whatever show is on after The Bachelor or Dancing with the Stars on Monday night at ten o'clock. Um, has been crap, and they're wasting mm. a very good, you know, very good lead-ins because those shows have great numbers uh, with shows that suck. Conviction is Haley Atwell's show that okay. you know, has uh, been unofficially canceled already. But maybe Agent Carter will come back. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you know they've. But in turn, I mean, I would love to see some synergy and uh, crossover, and 
and, and them they have they have the universe to do this but i don't think it's caught a the numbers aren't the numbers even even if you look at the arrowverse numbers their shows mm. their shows do great for uh a secondary network you know uh yeah, and, yeah. but abc nbc cbs and fox to an extent um are the big four networks mm. and the cw would be the fifth fifth of those uh and as we've said before numbers that are fantastic on the cw uh are shows that get canceled on other networks most of the time yeah so Very sure. uh you know flash got a 1.1 1. 1 on to on the same night as last or this week's uh shield um mm-hmm. the you know flash has already been renewed uh, pretty much the entire CW slate has already been renewed. Uh, yep. NCIS got a 1.7. The middle got a 1.5. We're not going to count the wall because that's just a stupid game show. But, um, <laughs> you know, so it's... You know, Legends of Tomorrow got a 0.7, which is good for the mm-hmm. CW, but for ABC, um, that's that's not so great. But... I, I I don't want to belabor the point. We will see what happens. We can hope that a it is a good series. It is a good ensemble series with great writing, and for the most part, fantastic episodes, and something that uh, they could build off of. And I, it's 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 just I I just find it odd which shows abc and marvel are picking to put on abc uh, uh f- from the marvel universe yeah well, i mean they do have limited uh, options obviously because of the the movie universe and netflix and things like that so i, I think they're doing a pretty decent job of well, certainly with shield anyway no no anyway yeah. uh, i just to just to add a final little positive spin to this uh this little section about ratings, the uh, the TVLine.com article that uh, that I got that from the uh, the sort of the case for keeping and the case for cutting, it does have a poll at the bottom that you can vote in, and the poll currently is uh, very much in favour of of keeping the show, uh, based on the people that have voted. It's at eighty two percent to keep and 15 percent to cut and like one percent that have not seen the show so that's good like the yes. people that are reading this article are uh, are highly in favor of keeping it yep so fingers crossed uh like like this the show is is getting better and like these last couple of episodes have really been strong episodes for the show so hopefully they, they continue on for the rest of the season and and get that renewal that, that we're after. And uh, we did most of our tweets already, but Tim Hernandez was the one who's who also found when uh, Ada said, "I'm not unique." Mm. He's here. Oh crap! Yeah, that's gonna come back. I <laughs> I, I I almost think she induced. Uh, I was kind of looking at it. 
Um, and we know that uh, Agnes was close to death to begin with. But mm. I'm kind of wondering if she kind of just her, uh, encouraged it along a little bit there. Very possibly. I mean, like, from what we saw of her in the episode, she didn't seem that close to being dead. But, I mean, as a brain tumor, these things are very unpredictable. Mm. But it just sort of... And, and, you know, Ada was the one running the controls. This is very true, yeah. Very true. <laughs> and she's been known to kill before. Yeah. When it ultimately benefits her. So, yeah, there's, there's every possibility of that. It's... Speaking of deaths, did you see the promo for next week's episode? Yes. I thought that they've got like a kind of interesting tagline for this episode, which is like obviously we know that uh, the superior is after Coulson, like that's his end goal. He wants to take down Coulson, and like in this one, they've got the, the sort of tagline of Coulson must die. <laughs> they should have it in brackets again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm lo- I'm looking forward to seeing what they do. I have a feeling that Mace isn't long for the world. Yeah, I think he's gonna like he did like quite a, a good job of being the block of this episode, but I don't think he he gets one more heroic turn before he he ultimately pops it. But his storyline's kind of run its course at this point. Yeah. And I just don't like him. <laughs> I do like I do like him. Like he's he's kind I, of interesting, yeah. but but yeah, I do I do agree. I think he's he's not long for this world. I hope I do hope that if he does die, they put uh, they, they kind of sow the seeds of that a little bit in this week's episode. The, the uh, Daisy becomes the the uh, director of Shield. Yes, yes. I I have a feeling. That by the end of this season, Daisy is the director of S.H.I.E.L.D. Hmm. So. Unless right. Coulson comes back into the limelight. Well, I think he's out there one way or the other now. But maybe hmm. not completely. So, Until Wait. he gets a hug from Steve Rogers, I don't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully he gets a, hopefully he's in the Infinity War. Oh, that would be so good. That would blow my mind. More than anything else they could do in, in that movie, like yeah, that would that would blow my mind. They need to do that. Yeah. So Alright. Andy, when you're not on the set of the Infinity War, where can people find you? <laughs> you can find me fighting an infinite war with Ali every Tuesday on 42 Level 1. Uh, we talk TV shows, movies, and mainly video games. We broadcast live uh, every Tuesday, 4.30 Eastern, one thirty Pacific, 9.30 Greenwich Mean Time. And you can find all our episodes on Stitcher, iTunes, as well as archives on allgames.com. And I can be found Tuesday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern on allgames.com on the B-Team podcast with my co-host Ryan, Eli, and Normie. Normie has uh, joined our cast as a full-time member starting next week, and where we talk video games, movies, TV, and tech from time to time. <laughs> and you can also find me Thursday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, on allgames.com, on Knuckleballer Radio, with Eli, Normie, and Sean. 
where we talk just about anything. Yeah, I just listened to the the episode where uh, Eli was talking about his dog peeing on his PS4. Ah, yes. <laughs> and all and all the stories from my past. Yes. yes. <laughs> A very fun lesson. <laughs> you want to hear about? You want to hear how I turned into the fucked up individual that I am? Just go listen to that episode. It's there's a lot of uh, chip origin story in there. Um, yep, and the, there was a napalm. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. My my experiments with napalm, and uh, so ch- check out both shows. We will we will be back next week. Hopefully, we're back. We're going to try and get the show back on schedule and be recording Wednesday nights. Um, and I don't care if they're telling you it's a nitro burning funny car or not. Whatever you do, don't touch Lola. Night, guys.
Gamers, and welcome to another episode. Ah, crap. Episode? <laughs> is this a sad episode? It's been a sad day. I, I've been sad. <laughs> I, I, I haven't. I sat on the couch on the couch all day and did nothing. Um, all right, three, two, one.